This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I'm Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how's it going? Doing great, Metcalf. You know, a little crazy day, but we got college hoops going on in the background. The No Ceilings pod must go on. So, you know, I'm getting excited for the rest of these games to talk some hoops with you. And then, you know, the the, uh, the week of hoops, you know, it's finally amongst us. How are you doing, Mr. Metcalf? How are we doing? I'm good. Bit busy as always, sl- slowly unpacking the house. So may- maybe a little slower than the fiance would be w- w- would be pleased with. But we're we're getting there sl- slowly but steadily. Had had a big IKEA run earlier today to uh, oh, to, to get some much needed furniture, um, and then constantly searching Facebook Marketplace. So if anyone's got some deals out there, hit me up. Um, <laughs> but no, we're we're good. The the move has gone well. Slowly settling in. But like you said, we got basketball to talk about. And for today's episode, uh, well, for the previous episode, we recapped the opening weekend with Rafael Barlow, which was a really fun episode and then got some really good international stories from him. Um, so if you missed that, make sure to go check that out. But for today, we wanted to mix it up a little bit from just pure tournament talk because everyone who has a podcast is doing that. So we thought we'd give you a little something different. Um, and we're going to focus on guys that we'd be willing to bet on that guys we view as kind of the best bets um, in this draft guys who have maybe a perceived really wide variance of outcomes where their ceiling could be, you know, Hey, maybe he's a potential all-star one day, but his floor is, "Mm, does he even get to a second contract? And these are guys that we maybe view a little higher than others. And thankfully um, Bryce McGowan and Josh Minot, could have fallen into this category, but we're not going to, well, we are going to talk about them in a second here, but they both declared that they were going into the draft and it really sounded like it wasn't just to test the waters. It sounded like we're gone, like we're out of here. Right. And we're not going to talk about these guys for every single player that says they're going to go to the draft because a lot of them will end up coming back. But the way these guys phrased it and based on their situations, I think, I would be really surprised at this point if they did return to school. So let's start out with Bryce McGowan's first. Mm-hmm. Um, were you surprised at all by this? What do you like about his game? Where are you at overall with uh, Bryce McGowan's? You know, I feel like we've talked about it before, Metcalf, kind of, you know, McGowan's. We were a little, not hesitant, but just a little colder, you know, like lukewarm mm-hmm. in the beginning of the year. And then um, his recent stretch of play, we've really kind of, I feel like you have too, like sort of of started to warm up on him. Um, 
I'm not surprised because I, I do think there was a almost a bit of a gamble. Like, you know, now we're doing this, the podcast theme, the gambling. I think it would have been a bit of a gamble if he went back. Um, yeah. Because he, he just had such a strong, you know, second half of the season. Some really good offensive upside. I think some team's going to be intrigued, like adding him to the organization and kind of slowly bringing him along, let his frame fill out because there there's some – really nice tools that he was showcasing, you know, that last couple of games throughout the year, um, his points for uh, points per game. I don't have it right in front of me. I think it was around like 20. Yeah. Yeah. So the season they were, they were really impressive. I, I I'm a big fan of McGowan's. I think, you know, when you get to a certain part of the draft, he's probably going to be a guy that creeps up in my mind. Um, and, and, you know, I, I still think that could be a guy that, Maybe heats up a little bit in the pre-draft like workouts and interviews and stuff like that because you know six seven with you know a, a desire to get to the basket he, you know he lives he has real estate at the free throw line so um, it wasn't too surprised actually with McGowan's I was like all right good you know good call go go get it go get your money what about yourself are you, I mean are you surprised Metcalf were you thinking there was a fifty fifty chance he went back or. And I, I thought there was maybe an outside shot that he would go back um, or that he may go back if the intel or feedback he gets is like maybe a first round. Um, if NBA teams are telling him that, then it's like, okay, well, that, that maybe this isn't worth it. And I'm way better than this. So why don't I just go back, dominate at Nebraska, where I'm, again, going to be the guy. Um, but I, I, I do think for him, specifically i think getting out of nebraska and getting in an nba development system as soon as possible is going to be so important so and he's currently 6'7 179 pounds but he has the frame and kind of build that looks like he'll be able to add muscle pretty easily and at the beginning of the year i was really turned off by the way he played i thought his shot selection was horrid his defense was erratic at best and there is essentially no playmaking to him at all but then as the season progressed he really kind of altered his shot selection and became much more determined to attack the rim and that's when the scoring efficiency really kind of took a turn and that's where he really started making a really positive impact on a nightly basis now the outside shooting never came along he only shot 27 and a half percent from three on 4.7 attempts a game but i, I think he you as well kind of view his shot as a positive in the long run, even though it didn't really fall this year. So getting in an NBA strength and conditioning program and having that be the environment for him to work out those bad habits, I think is going to be much more conducive to his long-term development. Whereas if he goes back to, if he ends up changing his mind and going back to Nebraska, I think that environment is only going to, you know, exacerbate those really bad decisions and that bad so- shot selection because he's still going to be by far the most talented guy on that roster. And there's really not going to be anyone there to tell him, hey, stop doing this because in his in his eyes, why would he? He's by far the best guy to do it. So I, I think for him specifically, this makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, I feel like I've hinted at it before, you know, when you're the guy as a freshman and, and then you kind of, you know, roll the dice to, to go back, you have to make not just like improvements with your points per game. You also need to show scouts that you're developing all over the place. So mm-hmm. 
you know, I think I was the same way with you in the beginning of the year. The shot selection was a little worrisome. Um, the percentages kind of caught my attention in, in a bad way in the beginning of the year. I was just kind of like, oh, I don't know. And then the the drastic changes he's had with the shot selection, the efficiency over the second half of the season were just awesome. And that's where I really started to be like, okay, I, I get it now. I'm, I'm a big Bryce McGowan's fan. And I'm like you, you know, I think because he had that strong stretch, it's like, yeah, go. Like, I'm I'm going to be, you know, if he goes back and gambles and, and tries to do too much, it could almost hurt him more than help him. Um, so I, I'm like you, you know, I, I hate to say this because people take it in the wrong way, but he almost seems like a guy that could almost have like a red shirt rookie season in the NBA mm-hmm. where it's just like living in the G League, living with a strength and conditioning coach. And then just like really take off as second year, or he goes in and, and has some success right away. You know, I'm I'm not saying I'm not rooting for the kid, but I think he's got some some great upside, and I think some team's going to be a, a real big fan of him. So I get it, you know. And, and like I said before, go get go get your money, and I'm rooting for Bryce McGowan. Yeah, it, it, I just get like a lot of BJ Boston kind of vibes from yeah. him as a player, and you know, hopefully for his sake, I think that kind of route of development would just do him wonders because um, we're we're already seeing Boston kind of contribute way more than at least I expected him to at this point because of how awful that freshman season at Kentucky was. And now he's in that development system and he's, you know, adapting to the culture and the work ethic and, you know, getting more guidance on what he needs to do to contribute and how to hone his skills at a higher level. So, you know, I, I think McGowan's is, primed for that sort of path, I would be really surprised if he came in and contributed right away. But long-term, I mean, the, the on-ball scoring potential for this kid is through is through the roof. And if a team can really unlock that and improve his body and just that decision-making and slow the game down for him mentally, that there's a lot to get really excited about with him because the, the potential is undeniable. It's just how realized is it going to get? Yeah, it's, it's one of these... Um the stupid phrase we hate pre-draft that everyone gets confused, but it's literally like McGowan's could theoretically be in that conversation um, of you, you kind of taking a guy that he has the tools, he has the scary upside offensively. Um, you just need to kind of let everything, you know, come together. It's like, you know, putting a bunch of ingredients in the kitchen and you're finally cooking it up together. So it's like, that's what McGowan's could be is um, this really great prize that if you just don't, stress like throwing him into action when he's not ready um he could really be you know pay off big way down the road so i'm excited i i really do think like that's kind of one of these guys that we might be falling in love with a lot of guys that are projected in the lottery right now but mcgowan's might be one of those names on draft night that just kind of sneaks up and we're like whoa okay someone someone's a believer you know so i i think he's a little bit of a wild card in a good way um and I'm excited, especially that second half of the year. If he didn't have that and declared, I would have been like, oof, I, I don't know. But um, I, I think that was the right call for him. And while McGowan's didn't really surprise us at all, uh, Josh Minot's decision yeah. seemed, you know, I expected him to test the waters, but the certainty that his kind of statement made it seem that it's like, no, I'm going pro like get me out of here right kind of surprised me um and for people who aren't familiar with josh minot he's a 6'8 205 pound freshman forward from memphis who had a really weird 
role all season and was never really consistently used throughout. And he only started five games, played or averaged 14 and a half minutes, averaged 6.6 points, 3.8 rebounds, 0.9 assists, 0.7 blocks, 0.8 steals, 52% from the floor, uh, 75% from the line and 14% from three, but only on 14 attempts from the season. So when you just look at his numbers and the role, it's like, why is this guy going pro? What are you intrigued by Minot at all? And if so, at what level? It's a definite wild, like this is the wild card that yeah. I was kind of expecting to get in like, a month at the deadline or something. Of, yeah, like, like, so, like uh, withdrawal deadline is yeah. here. And, oh, Josh might not stay in. Like, okay, yeah. here we go. Um, but getting it while we're still in March Madness, I kind of, you know, Gavoni, Jonathan Gavoni kind of tweeted it out today. And I was like, well, whoa. Like when I read like <laughs> won't return, I was like, whoa, okay. So you're really saying it. And then um, he had a good quote. He's, he said, I plan to be like Josh Primo coming out of the woodwork this spring. So like, based off that quote alone, like, yeah, I'm all in, but, um, on a serious note, like my knots really fascinating. Cause it was a guy that like I had written down for next year. Um, he's one of these, like he's listed at six, eight, two Oh five, but he just, says, he looks way bigger on the court. Yeah. I don't know why I'm just convinced he's like closer to six ten than six, eight. I don't know why, but, um, he's lengthy. He's explosive. he, he hustles his butt off. Like there's some special defensive tools. The offense has a long way to go. Um, But I think that's the type of guy that you're just saying, like real developmental project that um, could be pretty, like could be an awesome asset. Like I, I really understand the intrigue. But I think that's going to be one that's like you have to get to a point and some some team's going to have to have like a specific plan and patience to let his game come around because, you know, he's he says like he's adamant. He's 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 going to keep his name in and, and surprise people and his work ethic's going to, you know, show for himself. So I was a little surprised. Um, there's always some curveballs in the draft, but it, I mean, this draft process, but that one really kind of snuck up on me. Um, like you said, Metcalf, I thought he was going to test the waters. I just didn't mean like, no, I'm testing and I'm staying. I was like, Whoa. Okay. Um, what about you? What do you think about my not? So I, I have him at like 40 right about now. Um, mainly because I think he's just pure untapped potential at this point. Yeah. And what we saw was really intriguing all season, but it wasn't consistent. It wasn't really impactful at a re- reliable level. So I'm not sure what he is as a player really. And, you know, I, you know, it sucks. Cause I, it's, that's going to hurt him and, you know, teams evaluations of him until they get him in their own gyms and really talk to him and work him out. But I thought the way he was used this year was so weird. And yeah. he never got to play with Duran. He was never given the ball in his hands. I, I don't think he's a good ball handler or a shooter by any means. But they basically just kind of stuck him in the corner on the dunker spot and told him to, to just go offensive rebound. And yeah. he's awesome at that. His offensive rebounding is so much fun. And his putbacks and the way he uses his length to kind of tip the ball back to himself and pursue those loose balls is really encouraging. 
but it didn't seem like he really had any guidance or directive all season. So I don't know who he is as a player. And I think that's going to be one of those guys where if a team gets him in their gym and works him out and puts him through the workouts of a role that they want to see out of him and he kills it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, you know, pick 18 or something comes around and Minot's name comes up. Um, because I do think there is that untapped potential that is going to be fascinating for NBA teams to get their hands on. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, teams view him as a Jaden McDaniels potentially. I don't think he's not, I don't think he's anywhere close to that on offense right now, but those measurements, that defensive potential, that length, just all of that, it wouldn't surprise me if an NBA team really talks themselves into it. So it's weird. I just, I, I think he's just kind of like this unshaped ball of clay right now. And an NBA team is just going to have to convince themselves on the athleticism, the measurements and the work ethic. Can I throw out like, please, a horrible pro comparison that everyone will make fun of me for. Oh, and this is probably not enough. Josh Minot film, but I, I feel like I've watched him enough to kind of make this. Um, he gives me weird, like Tyrus Thomas vibes. <laughs> it's just like he's really athletic. He flies all over the place, but I think he just still like we have to figure out the offense. Like, where's the yeah. upside? Um, because I think there's a lot of ways to go, but like he makes some plays, and this is why I'm saying Tyrus Thomas. So everyone calm down. Like, I hope you're still listening. But this is why he reminds me of him because like he'll come out of nowhere on a block and I'll be like, Oh my yeah. gosh. And, and I'm like, oh, he just like inspector gadgets, a ball just like almost shoves it right back in someone's face. And I'm like, Whoa, that was impressive. And then you just kind of like, okay, when do I get to see that again? So it was just a weird year. I'm like you, they didn't really play. You know, I think he only averaged around like 14 minutes a game. So it's like yeah. he, he had a couple of games this year where he had like, four or five games where he was really heating up and, and I feel like he finished in double figures, all those games and, and he had a couple of blocks and then all of a sudden he just like went back to not really doing much. So it's like, okay, well, which one are we getting? So um, I still think like there's probably a guy that's going to play at the combine and do some crazy stuff. And people are going to be like, Hey, my not look good. It's like, yeah. Cause he jumps out of the gym and, and plays his ass off. But um, if a team's convinced that he's still got some tools to, you know, untap or like you're saying, like almost like a ball of clay where you just got to shape them together. Like I absolutely think he'll, uh, he'll be an interesting one. It's definitely the wild card though. Cause I, like you, I thought he was going to test, go back. And that was a very adamant, like I am not going back. Yeah. I was like, Whoa. Okay. Yeah. It, it really seems like the feedback's going to have to be really negative for him to, return um and even if he does it really seems like he's not going back to memphis so yeah um one way or the other he has gone from memphis and it seems like it's a 98 percent chance that he's going pro so it, it will be fascinating to see what he does because I mean, he just it feels like he's going to be one of these guys that gets drafted really high um or at least higher than a lot of boards kind of have him pegged uh especially right now and then we won't hear about him for two to three years and then 
down the down the line, he's going to come off a bench and really explode on both ends of the floor and make his presence known once he's like 21. Yeah, it, it seems like this always happens with these guys. Like, I don't know. The athletic guys that we all be like, oh, he, he's got no offense or something. And then it's like some team is really smart and mm-hmm. just stresses patience and like three years down the road he 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 explodes in like a playoff series out of nowhere and we're like oh man my not's gonna be so good and it's just like it happens all the time so i don't know i, I will be very interested to see like kind of what he does um throughout that entire process you know like the combine's gonna be in the middle of may um it's just one of those wild card names. There's a lot of names like this that, yeah. you know, him throwing it in there, but like the whole workouts and all that stuff, it's going to be really, really interesting to kind of um, see who buzzes this year, especially more than other years. Cause I think there's still some questions with the second round guys or now like Minot, you know, um, international guys like Ujman Diang, like there's still just like, there's the ranges all over the place, Metcalf. It's going to be awesome, but also chaotic. Absolutely. And I think there's a good point to kind of pivot into guys who we see similar or at least similar types of out- range of outcomes as McGowan's and Minot and go through some of our favorite bets. And let's start out with your first one. Who you got? Yeah. So we were, we were, you know, I wrote a piece um, on no ceiling called rolling the dice. I did that one on Peyton Watson. So I kind of turned to Metcalf. I was like, let's just talk about guys we'd gamble on that. You know, we're going to get, everyone's going to call us out on social media and say that we're in love with them. But no, it's just mainly being like, there's these guys that a lot of people have wide ranges on. Um, and I thought we would have some fun with this one. So my first one who I'm, I've been on his street all year and I am not selling my real estate is I think Jaden Hardy I'm gambling on him. Um, I'm just a fan. I, I really, you know, I, if everyone listened back in the day, in the beginning of the year, I did a podcast with my buddy Kyle Nishimoto, used to coach in the G League, and that was on backcourt violation. Um, that podcast has since, you know, been the undertaker and put in the grave. Um, but, you know, we, we talked about that. You know, G League guys, G League prospects, especially with the Ignite, they get put into situations where they're really uncomfortable because they need to get comfortable in a hurry for the NBA level. And and with Hardy, it was a situation that a lethal high school shooter that all of a sudden was being put into a role of being a primary ball handler often. And he really struggled out of the gate, but I think that was on purpose because the, the ignite are trying to develop these guys for the NBA. And, and you saw the second half of the year, like if you go look at his numbers, he was taking leaps forward, um, baby steps. We'll, we'll get rid of the leaps, <laughs> baby steps forward in the right direction though. And everyone's been kind of scared about his shooting percentages. But I think if you go watch the last stretch of games, you see like the feel, the game slowing down, the shot selection is much better. So I I'm, I'm rolling the dice with Jaden Hardy. I'm not going to get off that street, Metcalf. And um, I think he's going to go to the pros. And if he lands with a team that has a point guard, like has a guy in place, I think Hardy could absolutely blossom and just play off the ball, do what he does best. But now he's developed that weakness to kind of be a little bit more NBA ready. 
And, you know, I, I just think it's going to be a, it's going to be a sleeper. And I know everyone's like, well, he was a top, he's projected to be top five. How is he going to be a sleeper? But, um, you know, I think someone in the lottery is going to, is going to shock us and be like, thank you guys. Thank you. Rest of the NBA. Cause we're taking them and we're going to laugh, but I like them. So you can call me crazy, Metcalf. Nine, his recent performance has been incredibly impressive. The way he ended their season was exactly what you want to see from these guys. And it's continuous improvement throughout the year. It's not just a flash in the pan here and the, you know, an awesome game there. It's okay. You kind of sucked at the beginning. Like you were inefficient. You struggled with the athleticism and strength jump and the shot selection isn't where we wanted it to be. And as the season progressed, like you, I think the most important thing you said there was the game slowing down mentally for him. And that's what's really going to be so important for him because that leap in athleticism, in athleticism um, of opponent is mm-hmm. so drastic because I he didn't play FIBA, right? No, said, that's what yeah. everyone everyone keeps going. Yeah. Like he should be ready, and it's like no, he, he never he didn't play well against a lot of these guys. Yeah, no, he had no. He went high school to G League, like literally right. nothing. Right, so and, I, and that's I, tough. And yeah, even in high school, like he wasn't creating a ton of space off the dribble. It was just that he was a really good shooter, and that's going to be a really rough learning curve, but. I think the progress is there. So I'm really excited to really do another deep dive back into like the, the back end of his season and Mm -hmm. see where he's at. But so you're saying that you would be willing to bet on him. How high are we talking? Oh yeah. Metcalf. Yes. Throw me to the wolves. Here we go. Of course you have Um, to put a number on it and that opinion can never change because it's the internet and everything is absolute. I'd take him in the lottery. I would like still take him ten in the to fourteen or higher. Um, if the, if someone took, <laughs> all right, all right, now I'm up. Okay, um, if someone took him towards the end of the top ten, I wouldn't be shocked because you know we're gonna have probably some 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 fun tricks up our sleeves for no ceilings about the draft. So there's a hint for everyone. Um, I won't be like, whoa, I'll probably be like giving a fist pump. Like, yes, someone believed in it. <laughs> like, I just think, I understand everyone was hesitant, like in the beginning of the year, because it was like the turnovers were high. He really was struggling to like, he was making some bad passes. It seemed like everything was going so damn fast. But if you, if you watched him in the beginning of the year, anyone listening, if you watched him in the beginning of the year and you just said, I'm out, you're, mm-hmm. you're missing a really important development with Jaden Hardy. If you go watch him throughout the year, he keeps showing that stuff is developing. The reads are coming together. And then the end of the year, he was just making some really beautiful passes. He was making, you know, smarter decisions with the ball. I think like he doesn't create a ton of space, but he has a little bit of wiggle that people are sleeping on. Like if it just tightens up, which, I think when you get to the NBA, two things can really improve. You can improve as a shooter, and I think you can improve your handles if you put the time in. Like, those are areas you can improve. Um, so I'm just a believer. I think lottery wouldn't shock me. If it got around 9 or 10 and someone's like, hey, 
we need a we need a lethal shooter with upside like i wouldn't be surprised and i know that's going to be a spicy take for some people out there but this is the guy like scouts been watching him in high school um they were all extremely high on him before they might be like hey we got him in for a workout he shot the crap out of the ball he looked great and we love the kid like it all all it takes is one team so um and now, you know, he'll end up going late to the Warriors and, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll play the Randy Marsh. We didn't listen like all 30 times. So, uh, all right. What's well, too rich for you? Hit me with it. Tell me what's too rich for you. Because now oh, I'm for you in the spot. I, I think lottery is a little too rich for me. And I, well, I have him at you're seven, an idiot. <laughs> I have him at 17. So I, it's not far off. But, 17? You're telling yeah. me that's too rich? Well, I'm like... Top 10, yeah. But like no, I mean, if, he, if he went 12, 12, 13, 14, I, I would get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm 100% agreeing with you. It, it, especially saying... once these NBA teams, you know, I'm sure they are already, but then once they talk to him and his coaches and really get a deep dive into his progress over the season from people right. they know and trust and have worked with, I, I, I think that could really skew things because that – recommendation from those guys i think means a lot more than a recommendation from college coaches who just hype up their guys left and right and nba organizations have to parse through all the bullshit there so i i think that the evals and feedback from the g league is probably going to be a little more straightforward and honest and if it's reflective of anything of how his play has progressed through the season i'm assuming it's going to be almost overwhelmingly positive for him I agree. I agree. Okay, Metcalf, hit me. Who are you? Who's your first? So we were uh-huh. doing we're doing three each, correct? Yeah. Sorry, correct. listeners. We probably should have said that. Okay, three each. So that was my first. Who's All who's right. your first? Well, you you went with a guy who is preseason top five and is pretty much consensus first round across the board. So really bold. Um, I appreciate your courage. There's a lot but... of haters out there, and I need to <laughs> distinguish them. I got a fire extinguisher. I need a. I need a. You know. All right. Well, if, if you think there are a lot of haters for Hardy, um, I can guarantee there are a lot more for Max Christie, who yes. I, I am not leaving. I'm Tom Hanks on the island by myself at this point. But I still absolutely love what this kid does on the court. I know he struggled towards the end of the season um, shooting, but I would be absolutely stunned if he doesn't turn into a good shooter. In the long run, his mechanics are gorgeous. I love the way he moves off ball. I think he's a really good cutter, relocates on the perimeter really nicely, runs off screens well. Um, And then I I think he has a lot of defensive upside too. I really like his footwork. He's a little skinny right now, but at six foot seven, I think he has a frame to put on muscle. I think he's going to be one of or not one of, but I, I think he will be a, an excellent two-way wing in the NBA. Can I piss you off? Please. You, okay. you almost do involuntarily, so. Yeah, well, I, I just, now I want to ask you so you're really ready. Um, okay. Here we go. Because, I, I, you know, we're friends, so I, I, I hope this doesn't ruin our friendship, but why the hell should he go and declare for the draft? He's a, just, just, I'm just saying he's averaging nine points a game and I love Max Christie. Like mm-hmm. I, I was drooling all year. He's averaging nine points a game and he shot 38, 31, 82. Is this just because we're in love with him? 
are we being biased? Or I, I, I 1,000% in, which is shocking because I hate Michigan State. Um, it, God, I've had such a tough fandom year. Some of my favorite guys are from Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Ohio State. I'm, I'm concerned I'm losing myself. But, but, I, but I really can't figure it out with Christy because he does some stuff that when he when he's rolling, I'm like, I, he's top 10 player almost, talent. He might be a top 10 talent. Um yeah. Cause like he moves side to side and he has some shiftiness that I'm like absolutely freaking out about. But I, I keep looking at his numbers and I keep looking at his game logs and I keep trying to be like, where's the stretch that scouts are going to. And it's just like, is there really a chance that he doesn't like, he thinks he should go out. Like, I just don't like, how is he not a second round pick? Is someone just going to say like, Oh, whatever. Like he's got upside. You know what I'm trying I, to say? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm just really confused. He's the one guy I'm really confused about right now. Yeah. So I, I fully acknowledge that my ranking of him is absurd to where it probably should be given what his production was this year from a statistical standpoint and where pretty much everyone else has him right now because everywhere else I'm seeing has mid-second at best, um, which I get. I I cannot express enough how much I understand people's hesitation and distrust of his game. It also wouldn't shock me if he kind of like we were talking about with Minot earlier, where he gets in one of these workouts and the shot is falling again for him. And at that size, that movement, that defensive footwork, that offensive footwork, and he's knocking down shots left and right throughout an entire workout, an NBA team being like, Oh, there he is. Now, once we get this guy stronger, once we improve his core strength, that shot's going to be falling at a higher level, at a more consistent clip, and we can do a lot of stuff with him on both ends of the floor. And it may not be a rookie year impact, but second year, he could be a, a huge game changer. So, Is this Josh Primo 2.0? It's tough because I think Primo, cause Primo is a much better shooter, at least statistically in his one year or so, you know, the well, Primo went to the combine and just went nuclear. True. And I could well, see that that's where he like, showed more on ball stuff where he was yeah. showing some more playmaking and creation that he didn't get to show at all at Alabama. So if anyone listening, you haven't, you know, if you're, if you're new here and you haven't followed Christy throughout the year, he's six, not he's six, six, but he just turned 19. Yeah. Um, last month, which is really interesting. Um, Cause I buy into the talent. I buy into the upside. Like I buy into how he plays the game. I love it. it it's just the weirdest thing ever. Cause the shot looks pretty and it just doesn't fall. And, yeah. and it's like you, when he's clicking and you see it rolling, you're like, this guy could be lethal. Um, and he's inevitably going to end up with the Miami heat or something like that. And they're going to groom him into another Tyler hero or some shit. But um it's just so weird to me because like I, I had him high on my last big board Metcalf. I had him at like 20 and I was laughing maniacally like the Joker when I put him 20th because I was like, I'm I, he's got numbers for a second round guy and I'm putting him at 20, but I do I think it's just, well, yeah, well, I mean, that's, you're <laughs> a lunatic. Fine. Like, yeah. Um, but it's just, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I know, like I'm saying a lot of these guys, it's going to be fascinating to monitor them throughout the, you know, workouts and everything. But I do think Christie might be at the top of my list when it comes to like interesting names that I kind of want to see how they 
perform and, and and what's the buzz or the word around them. So, okay. That was a good one. That was a good yeah. one. So, so just, just to wrap up on Christie real quick, I fully expect him to go back if I was advising him and you know, it's unless you have a first round promise, I would say go back to school, improve your core strength, add some muscle and, you know, come back for your sophomore season and light it up shooting. And then you'll be that first round guarantee. But I just, he's just one of these guys this year where I am so bought into the talent and what he could be that I'm just not going to move off it until he forces me to. So who, who's your second guy? Um, We're getting crazy now. Now we're getting crazy because I'm going to bring out another one that everyone's hating. Oh, man. This one's where I'm getting real crazy. I, I'm not giving up on Patrick Baldwin. I think I'm still I'm still rolling that dice. Um, I'm at the craps table, and I've got a hot hand, and I'm putting out my biggest bet, and that's Patrick Baldwin. I don't know. I just keep thinking nightmare season. Um, I think the smart office, like front offices, if they've been scouting him over the years, they're probably not going to overreact to that and i think there's just going to be a point in the draft where if you have the pieces in place already putting baldwin you know as kind of like a complimentary piece early on in his career is really intriguing to me um you know i i just think like the size he everyone talks about the outside shooting i think he's got fantastic playmaking upside i really do see some flashes that are just awesome um it's like one of my favorite things about watching him and you know i'm sorry to all the guys that play at milwaukee if you're listening to this but that was brutal offense to watch this year not good not good you know not great not great bob um so i don't know i think if you get to a point in the draft i'm just kind of buying like baldwin being a little bit of a steal um i'm not saying like you know, I've had him higher on my, my big board. I still have him in the lottery, but I just think okay. that talent is too intriguing that if he goes to the right team and it clicks, it's really going to be almost like a him seeing the light. He's going to be like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Look at the spacing. <laughs> and everyone like, makes shots when I pass them the ball. And um, I don't know. I, I just can't really give up, give up that like feeling. Um I'm trying to think of like a wild card, like take, like even if like, you know, OKC is going to have three picks. If they somehow got him at like um, 15 or something, like or even Memphis like around the, one of theirs. Yeah. Well, Memphis is just going to be laughing hysterically. I still think Memphis could take my first guy, Jaden Hardy, but um, I don't know. Baldwin just seems like one of those guys that you, you'd, you'd gamble on if you have multiple picks and you might laugh your ass off. And um. Like, could your T-Wolves at 18, if he was on the board, would you just be like, oh, my gosh, yes? Yeah, yeah, I, would, like I wouldn't this... hate that at all because yeah. at, at, at that size, I those shooting mechanics, I buy into it. And yeah. I, I know the percentages haven't been there, but everything, the entire process of how he gets his shots is really encouraging. He's not much of a space creator, but my biggest takeaway for him from this season was he's not a primary guy. Right, right. And okay. And, you know, the hopeful, you know, the hope entering the season was, okay, Baldwin's going to emerge as one of these dominant on ball six, nine scores slash shooters. And, you know, this is going to be one of these dominant scores at the next level. And my main takeaway is that that's just not who he is. But if you put him in a 
you know, tertiary role where he's your third or fourth option even, then I think that's when you really start to reap the benefits because he's not having to work for his shots. All he's having to do is make that extra pass, which I think he showed time and time again, he's more than capable of doing. I really like his feel for the game on both ends of the floor and then just knock down open shots. So if a team takes him with that expectation of we're going to mold him into a number one option, I think he could easily fail and pretty quickly and drastically. But if they're like, all right, we're going to bring you in, plug you into the rotation, and you're not going to be asked to do anything. I think that's when he's going to knock down open corner threes, attack closeouts, make that extra pass to the big man or the cutter or whatever, and then play solid team defense on the other end. So I'm right there with you. I still have him at like 11 or 12 and just that size, that talent, that feel for the game. I get that this season was disastrous, but this really feels like the Zaire Williams, a Brandon yeah. Boston situation where it's like, this was just the season from hell for him, where he was on an awful team. He had a bunch of nagging injuries and things clearly didn't go well because his dad, who was the head coach, didn't even make it through the season. So I, he's one of those guys I'm right there with you. I, I 100% bet on. I think this is the guy um goes that could go to draft workouts and literally just yeah. flip the league every every front office guy might be like oh my gosh cuz i've i've heard some i've heard some rumblings about yeah. like him and practices and stuff in a good way where it's like someone was like oh my gosh i mean like i saw him in practice and he looked like one of the best talents in this draft and then all of a sudden like goes to the game and struggles but i do think it's just it's just a bad fit. And I'm like you, if you draft him to be the number one, we saw this year, he can't be the number one. And, yeah. and I don't know if anyone in this class, like putting put on that team and all respect to that, those guys, like they probably all would struggle. Um, there just wasn't a lot of help there. So um, I think if you draft him as a complimentary piece, absolutely. I, I still believe in Baldwin. So what, who's your second hit me. Uh, it's a guy that you've been hyping up all season. And that is Christian Brown. Yeah, um, get on board. People are starting to drink the Kool-Aid. Um, I I don't know. I've just been a big fan of this kid's game since he was since his freshman year, and very quietly, and he's he's skyrocketed his three point percentage back up to thirty nine point seven percent on the season. So earlier in the year, I kept hearing, "Nah, he can't shoot. He's not really a shooter." It's kind of turning out the kid can shoot. And yep. then he also has the athleticism to posterize guys left and right, give them a bit of attitude, get teed up for it, and then hit them with a three the next time down. Um, I, I love this kid's attitude. I think the way that he's improved over the last two years, attacking the rim off the bounce and attacking closeouts is super important to his game. Um and after his freshman year where he shot really well from outside that sophomore season, we saw the three point percentage drop off significantly. And that was because he couldn't do anything when teams closed out really hard on him. And that's what teams were doing. They were just running him off the line and daring him to do anything else. And he couldn't this year. He can't where now he's driving and kicking. He's slipping those dump off passes to McCormick. He's dunking on guys. He's finishing through contact. Um, so I think he's going to be one of these guys that's a top seven rotation guy for a really long time. Yeah, I, I really like him a lot. Um, you know, I've been I've been hyping him up all year. I just think this is 
potentially going to be the steal of the draft wherever he ends up, especially if he ends up with like a playoff team or something. But, you know, I think a lot of people fascinate with the numbers and they saw his numbers early in the year and they're like, okay, so he can't shoot from outside. And it's like, no, wait a sec. He can get rolling from deep. He's got a clip, but I think it's just, we've talked about it before, Metcalf, like you're seeing the strides and development in areas of his game that really make a difference. And, um, you know, his first 22 games, he was shooting 50% from the field and 32% from three in his last 15 games of the year. He's shooting 49% from the field and 51% from three. And, and those, you know, he's averaging double figures, like good, good box scorers. Um, so I, I'm just a fan of him. I, I think good size, really smart player, um, knows when to get his shot, knows how to create for others. You know, he's one of those hockey cis guys that very mm-hmm. smart about like, okay, let me make one extra pass and that's going to be a wide open shot. So um, I'm like, I'm with you. I, th- that's going to be a guy that I'm very excited wherever he ends up. Cause I think that fan base will, will get a real steal. Even if he goes like first round where I, I think some playoff team might take him. Um, I think that's just going to be a great pick. So who, who's your last guy? Oh gosh. See, you know what? I got so excited about my first two that and talking <laughs> when you brought up Brown that I, I completely space. No, you know what? I'm, it's about time I give some love to him. So I've been struggling all year because I don't want to give up on this guy. And I'm just going to say it right now. You know, I'm rolling the dice with Kennedy Chandler and I don't, I don't give a damn if everyone wants to tell me he's undersized. Fine. I, I'm rooting for the little guy. Like, He's listed at six foot. I'll be very interested to see if he actually is six foot when the measurements come out at the combine. But I just like how Kennedy plays. And um, he had a great showing in the Michigan game. Um, I just think the feel, and I'm not saying like I'm, I'm a believer with Kennedy of like, oh, he's going to be a star point guard in the league. I'm more just saying like, I think Kennedy's going to stick in the league. I, I think mm-hmm. wherever he ends up getting drafted, he's going to, He's going to end up finding a place in, in the NBA for a long time. He plays with great change of gears. He has the burst and quickness to blow by people, but he also plays with poise. Um, he's undersized, but he's a pest defensively. And, and I really do think like the outside shots kind of showing. He knows how to get his shots, and, and I think he can shoot it. So I don't know, Metcalf. I, I, it's just, you know, I can't fight this feeling anymore. I got to just... You know, I got to say, I'm in on Kennedy. I'm going to bat for him. What about you? Do you think I'm crazy with Kennedy? I mean, it's been... Yeah, I mean, it, it, dep- it depends at what level. Um, yeah. Top 35, no. I, I or Yes, I, I 100% get that. Um, if you're talking top 20, that's that's rich for me. Um, the, the size worries me, but and I wrote about him earlier this season with his at-room finishing and his sense of craft and use of angles and ability to kind of shield the ball like he knows he's small but he has the craft and touch at the rim to really kind of compensate for it and he did he's done an awesome job of being an at-rim finisher this year so and that aspect is really encouraging it really worries me that he has one of the worst floaters in the country this year um and then that outside shot i think comes along eventually but my concern is at that size Finishing at the rim against NBA rim protectors, rim protectors is going to be much more difficult. Um, shooting from outside, okay, if that shot really does come along, defenders are just going to run him off the line. 
and dare and defenses are going to dare him to score in that mid range, which is where he's really struggled all year. So I think that really has to take a jump for him. I think the most encouraging aspect as the season progressed with him, though, for me was how much more he played off ball and how much more effective he was at that. Because in the half court offense, that's where he really maximized his quickness, running off screens and cutting and curling off pin downs to get downhill. I think that was a really important, you know, stretch of games for him to show success in that role because that shows that yeah he could be your you know primary point guard for at whatever point in the rotation but you can also plug him in next to a wing creator and he can play off them pretty easily so that kind of combined with I I, I really like his defense I know the size will limit him but yeah. the, the footwork the quickness uh he has some of the best defensive hands in the country I think it's all really intriguing. So I, I'm definitely not out on him, but late first or very early second is kind of where I, more where I target him. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Um, you know, just because I'm saying I'm gambling on these guys doesn't mean like take them in the lottery. I, I think <laughs> if you got to like probably past 20 um, and you needed a clear like either change of pace guard or you just needed to boost your rotation, I think Kennedy could be a great, piece and you know not all these guys were saying they need to be starting players in the nba right away it's like no i think kennedy could just be a a damn good you know rotation asset um because he just understands how to play he understands when to get his shots he understands how to push and how to slow things down so um i'm just a fan and i understand that everyone's worried about the size but it's like you know I'm always one of these, like, if you could play, you can play. And Kennedy Chandler could play basketball. And, and um, you know, the modern age is every point guard's like 6'3 or up. And it's like, well, screw it, you know? Like, this is a guy from the, the old school days where the Earl Boykins or the Muggsy Bogues. And I don't care. Like, just, you know, the kid can play and he plays his ass off on defense. And, and I just, I really like, um, I like him as a guard. I, I think he's going to be a guy that sticks in the league for a long time. And if I'm wrong, everyone, you know, I'll cry for about two weeks straight and then we'll get over it. That sounds perfectly <laughs> healthy. Um, <laughs> so another guy who can just flat out play and really knows what to do on the court is my last guy, Taryn Armstrong. Oh, he couldn't. We almost got through like two months without you bringing up Taryn Armstrong. This is amazing. Okay. I can't I can't help myself. Um, <laughs> sh- 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 shout out Alex for, for turning me on to him and. I, I absolutely love everything this kid does, uh, you know, I guess besides the lack of scoring. But at his size, I, I think he's 6'5", 6'6", um, his size, and he's an 18-year-old who is the best passer in the country right now. Um, and I don't think it's even close. If his scoring numbers weren't so concerning, I think would be tempted to have him as the top point guard in this class. Uh, the the playmaking creativity and accuracy and consistency with him is absolutely absurd. The fact that he has the fourth highest assist percentage in the country as a freshman is absurd. Don't feed me this bullshit assist to turnover ratio because the fact that we're still using that garbage to judge a college player's playmaking ability is absurd to me please go watch a goddamn game um 
Yeah, Taron Armstrong. He's just someone someone who understands the game that well can move the ball that absurdly and at that size. I, I I'm gonna bet on that guy a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah. So for for anyone listening that you haven't watched Taron Armstrong, um, really really damn fun basketball player. He's playing at Cal Baptist. Um, he's six five, one eighty five from Australia. Um, I don't know the age off my top of my head. I think he's still 18. Um, of course I can't find it right away, whatever, but Metcalf can look it up for me. Um, if he wants, but Taryn was on fire at the beginning of the year. He had a nine game stretch where he averaged 12.3 points, 7.7 rebounds, 8.8 assists, and was shooting 48% from the field, 78% from the line. 29% 29% from three, but um, that's probably the next area that if he brings that up, we're going to have a serious conversation moving forward. Um, I really, really like Taron Armstrong. Um, and I know you're in love with them. I know Alex is in love with them. You guys, or Alex did a fantastic piece called The Wizard of Oz um, at No Ceilings, if you haven't read that. And Taron throws some passes that are like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. I mean, he throws some passes where you're watching and you don't even see it coming on tape. Like, it's just incredible. It's it's sideline out of bounds passes over three defenders on the money. Like, he has to put it in the perfect spot. Um, He also just has some passes where you're like, where did that creativity come from? So, I'm with you, Metcalf. I I absolutely love him. Um, That's kind of one of the guys, like, I don't... I. Don't think he's going to declare this year. No, but um, that's a real issue. It's seeming to be with the the guys I'm betting on here, but no, no, it's not an issue. Um, (laughs) He's weird because like, I think he should go test just to get feedback and just get his name out there more. I sort of want him to test the go to the combine and play five on five and then have like 18 assists and just be like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to go back to every scout. Every scout's like, no, stay. We'll promise you. And he's like, no, I'm good. I got to go. My my, my take is that if he was at a power five school doing what he did this year, he would be talked about as a first round pick. So I'm confused with college still. Is this the stupid thing where you can just transfer and play right away right now? I I think that's the full time. So they just changed now? it to full time. I believe so, but I, could I can't be wrong. keep up with the. So everyone listening, I just can't keep up with the NCAA rules. I feel like they change every ten minutes. So, um, yeah, I mean, does he? Try, but 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 I don't think transfer? he will. I, I, don't I don't think, think he, he will because his brothers. His there. brothers on the team, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. So I, it'll be interesting. Um, but if if you haven't seen Taron Armstrong, please do yourself a favor. And go watch, um, so or go or go over to noceilingsnba.com and look up my playmaking piece that I did on him earlier this year, and it's a lot of fun. Um, he he's, oh God, he's so much fun. But enough of me. So you picked a guy that's not going to be in this class. Well, not. Oh, I, no, I potentially okay. picked it's two just, of them. It's just cheating. Um, <laughs> you know, I prepared and did my homework. It's just cheating, so it's not a big deal. Well, if if anything, I'm really betting on guys because they may not even be this year. So you, you, yeah. you settled, you settled for 
what's hot today and i'm looking bit long long term i'm looking big picture so you, well you know i'm a now guy. Shame. you know I, i'm a yeah, now guy see, see, that, 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 future yeah. the future will come but i'm you, a now you, guy <laughs> i thought it just took time someone on twitter today started to, i forget who it was is someone that uh, follows no ceilings but someone started doing their 2024 big board and i was like oh my gosh oh my i almost God. threw my phone across the room i was like i can't even think of 2024 right now are you kidding me no i'm still trying to figure out who's my 56th guy in two <laughs> weeks um yeah but um pretty pumped about college hoops tonight metcalf um the funny thing is Metcalf's a Michigan fan, so I'm just stalling on this podcast episode. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm just about stressing. to boot you. Um, <laughs> well, let's wrap but it up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take back over. So as we end every episode, what's the best thing in, in the basketball world? Oh, I world didn't prepare recently? again. Of this course is unbelievable. you did it. God, you're the worst. Do your job one time. One time, do your job. I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, oh man, and I had something. You know what? I'll filibuster for you. Um, yeah. for starters, it's certainly not Jalen Williams trying to take a charge on every fucking defensive possession. <laughs> Move your feet, play defense. This is appalling. Um, the fact you know, that the just... best thing I uh, I got, I got one. I actually have a good one. Oh, okay. Now that I was talking, I'm glad that you're prepared. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Eric Spolstra for yeah, trying to fight Jimmy Butler last <laughs> night because I am still. I'm amazed that I've never seen Eric Spolster like that. That was no. incredible. No, that was um, the best thing I've ever seen. And then Kyle Kuzma came out and he's like, so we're going to start talking about the heat now after they've been in first all year. <laughs> I was like, yes, Kuzma, you're amazing. Yeah, that that, that was a hundred percent going to be mine too. Just when, when we started getting every single angle um, of throughout the arena of that altercation, let's call it, um, I, I couldn't have been happier. Yeah. But Rucker. What was your best? That, that That's what it was going to be. It was going to be Spo give, giving Jimmy the business. and Who, Who's our boy did. from Belmont that might transfer? Will Richard? Yeah. Yeah, that's underrated. Best thing I saw this week was just seeing a long list of teams that are interested in Will Richard. I was like, yeah, the whole country is like, probably <laughs> interested. All, all, all of D1 has reached out to, to Will, <laughs> Will Richard. <laughs> Um, but Rucker, this was fun. Thank you for the, for your time. Please plug away. Tell the people where they can support you. Um, I'm at no ceilings, and this has been awesome. Metcalf. Thanks for doing this. There's 16 minutes left in the Michigan game while we're recording this. So go blue. Um, I keep looking at the box score and chat, I think had like three fouls or something. So that's going to be really interesting. And uh, bear down, Arizona Wildcats. I'll probably have a stroke tonight while watching that game. I'm horrified of the Houston Cougars. So um, if you guys don't hear from me, it's been a hell of a ride. But, uh, (laughs) yes, bear down, and Christian Coloco needs to get drafted higher. So that's all I got to say. Metcalf, plug away. Go Blue. I'm Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at tmetcalf11, and you can find all of our written work at noceilingsnba.com, where if you subscribe, uh, you'd be doing us a huge favor, and we would love your support. And by subscribing, you also get all of our written work delivered directly to your inbox on a daily basis for free, so there's no excuse not to subscribe. Uh, please make sure to follow us on Twitter at noceilingsnba, and subscribe on YouTube at TV as well. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Until next time, see ya.